Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Hope everybody is doing well. As uh, Joey said, Joey said Luke 10. Uh, we're in Acts 10. So Luke, Luke wrote it, so that works. So we'll give you a pass on that. But we're continuing in our series uh, through uh, the book of Acts. And if you've been following along, uh, Jacob spoke last week on the conversion of Saul. And this past week in our daily readings, we've been walking through uh, Acts chapter 10, really focusing on this interaction between Cornelius and Peter uh, with this idea of the outpouring on the other. Uh, I shared with the first gathered, so I'm going to ask permission um, for those of us gathered here and our friends online. Uh, audience participation. Can we do that? Yeah, all right, so I need you to participate. Um, and this is how you do it. Everybody's going to close their eyes. But before you close your eyes, you've got to promise that when we're done this exercise, you will not fall asleep and then we'll be, you'll track back with me. All right, so is that fine? All right, cool. You can't promise me that, but it'll work. All right, so let, let's close our eyes and, and think about what comes to mind um, when I talk or when I say the word hospitality. So with your eyes closed, what images come to mind? Hospitality. Uh, wh- where are you? If you were going to be show hospitality to someone, where, where would you uh, gather? Um, where where, <laughs> where um, are you eating? All right, audience participant, God bless you. See, I love you. Are you eating? What are, what are you eating? Out of curiosity. Roast chicken. All right. Who's with you? You don't have to tell me who's with you, but you know, think about the people that you're with. Um, and now, do me a favor. Think about the most despised location in the world to you. Think about the nation, city. Think about the part of town that you could do without. And now imagine, imagine traveling to that location, working to befriend those you meet there, and offering them the good news, Jesus Christ. Everybody open your eyes. That's Peter's assignment. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is sent to a place, to a people that he probably can do without. And so as we read Acts chapter 10 this morning, verses 35 34 to uh, 45, I want us to just understand what it is God might be calling us to do. Acts 10, uh, 34 to 45, it'll be on the screen behind me. It reads as follows. Peter began to speak. Now I truly understand that God does not show favoritism or there is no partiality with God. But in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. He sent the message of the Israelites, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know the events that took place throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. We ourselves are witnesses of everything he did in both the Judean country and in Jerusalem. And yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. God raised up this man on the third day and caused him to be seen, not by all the people, but by us whom God appointed as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. 
He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Verse 45, 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. This is God's word. Let's pray together. And so, Lord, we look to you this morning. You are the author. You are the perfecter of our faith. And you give life and you give it in abundance. And so, Lord, this morning as we search the scriptures, might you point us to Christ. And in so doing, might we understand greater your love for us and help us extend this love to others. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we are in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. And uh, to quote my brother, Chris Bobbitt, you didn't know I was going to call your name, did you? The book of Acts is full of action, right? This, this, is a, this is a book. God is on the move, and it is absolutely amazing. You see the spirit conversions taking place. You see healings. You see a lot take place. And this is really in response to Jesus' commission. If we go back to Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. Right? You, you see that in the very last thing that Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the early followers of Jesus had a mission to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And they're supposed to do it to the ends of the earth. But there's a major problem, and in Acts chapter 10, it comes to a head. Peter don't, they don't, he doesn't like Gentiles. There was a, a major cultural disconnect between the Jewish people and the Gentiles. There was a major disconnect. In fact, when you read in Acts 28, uh, 1-8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, when if the Jews heard Samaria, they would get a nasty taste in their mouth. You want me to go where and do what? And not only Samaria, now we have to take this message to the end of the world to the ends of the earth. So th this would create tension because Jesus is in essence sending them to neighborhoods and to people they would not usually find themselves with. And that's much like the we live in. If we're honest, there are certain cultures that clash. There are certain people groups that don't get along. And so the question in Acts chapter 10 and the question we asked this morning is how do these walls of division come down. For Peter, how would the walls of prejudice come down? How would the gospel reach the nations? I believe the means by which the gospel will reach the nations, I believe the, the, the means by which the gospel will reach into our neighborhoods is through gospel-fueled hospitality. Because gospel-fueled hospitality is powerful enough to break down the walls of division. And there's two people on opposite ends of the spectrum, two people on opposite ends of the neighborhood are a man we'll meet in Acts chapter 10 by name Cornelius and the apostle Peter. We are first introduced to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, where it says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, Cornelius, a centurion. He was in the military. 
of what was known as the Italian cohort. This gentleman was over some 400 to 600 people. He was a person of influence, but he was a Gentile. And for the Jewish people, they considered Gentiles to be as dogs. These were outsiders. But Luke illumines this reality in Acts chapter 10, verse 2, that Cornelius was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed continually to God. So for Gentiles that, uh, that kind of submitted themselves to the truth of God, the, the Jewish people would call them God-fearers, and that's what we see of Cornelius. This latter expression is frequently used to describe those who had been attracted to Judaism, maybe because of its uh, monotheism or because of its ethical code. And so they, they prayed, they gave alms, they took care of the poor, but they stopped short of fully converting into Judaism because the main thing most guys didn't want to do, can you guess? There you go, with the chuckles, you know what I'm talking about, circumcision. Like, I can get with your God, I can give money, I can give poor to the poor, but don't touch my body. And so Cornelius, Seamus is looking at me, hey, don't touch my body. <laughs> and so they would call, the Jews would categorize these folks as proselytes at the gate. Or people standing at the gate, they're on the threshold of coming into faith, but they're outsiders looking in. And Cornelius Although he fears God, although he gives although he prays continuously, he is still an outsider looking in. Again, he demonstrates his faith by his generous contributions to the poor. He regularly prays. And although Cornelius is presented as a pious person who is very close, his piety is not enough. His good works are not enough. Something better had come. Someone better had come, but Cornelius needed someone to connect the dots for him. And so in this neighborhood, in Caesarea, you have Cornelius the Gentile. Now, if we travel about 30 miles, we'll come to Joppa. And guess who's in Joppa? Peter. Now, if you've been reading the book of Acts, Peter was like, he was the man at the beginning of Acts. Remember, if you read in Acts chapter 2, Peter gives this incredible sermon on the day of Pentecost. The spirit falls. Uh, people are speaking in tongues. The nations are gathered. He preaches repentance. Man, it, God is moving. You see Peter and John healing a lame man. And then all of a sudden, we kind of forget about Peter. Right, because you start hearing about the, the, um, the, the, the uh, gentlemen that were called uh, to serve the situation that was going on uh, with the widows. Then you hear about Stephen. Last week, uh, Jacob talked about Saul. Peter kind of faded to the background. But in Acts chapter 9, Peter pops up again. And God is beginning to prepare his heart for an interaction with someone. He would say, I don't want anything to do with that person. Peter is praying. He has a vision, and uh, Jedediah mentioned it. A, a sheet comes down, and as he's praying, he sees all kinds of creatures, animals, reptiles there. And funny enough, he's hungry, and a voice says, kill and eat. But Peter is repulsed by the very things he says, and even though he's commanded to kill and to consume, he says, no way, forget about it. I, 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 I can't. Eat, I cannot defile myself by eating these animals that you've declared unclean. 
In the midst of this vision, God says, if I call something clean, you do not then have permission to call it unclean. Because if you read the Hebrew Scriptures, the Hebrews had some food restrictions. And these food restrictions had long isolated the Jews from the Gentiles. But God was beginning to break down the walls that separated them. The, 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 the categorization of clean foods versus unclean foods was now being invalid. To teach Peter in the same way, don't you dare call another human being unclean. Friends, when you look out into the world you live in, everybody is made in the image of God. And so Peter was being challenged of not calling a person unclean. And so the principal subject of this chapter is not so much the conversion of Cornelius. That happened in this passage. Rather, what has taken place is the conversion of Peter. And the means by which Peter's heart is transformed to open him up to the Gentile nation is what I want to call gospel-fueled hospitality. And in gospel-fueled hospitality, I believe the walls come down. And in gospel hospitality, you're going to see an invitation you're going to see humility, and you're going to see proclamation. And so if we want to see these walls of division begin to crumble in the world we live in, it's going to be fueled by gospel hospitality that includes invitation, humility, and proclamation. Invitation. Now, when you read this account, we, we don't have time to read all 48 verses, but if you haven't already read I want to encourage you to read the entire chapter. And one of the things you'll notice is that there is no public proclamation of what Jesus is doing in the world. Everything is taking place in a household. Parts of Acts chapter 10, it is uh, Peter with Cornelius, the folks that Cornelius has sent. He has invited them into his house. And then later on, Peter is now in Cornelius's place. And so everything is taking place in households. Friends, I don't know about you, but some of my happiest and most momentous times in ministry occur when I'm in homes. Like, this is fun. I, I enjoy doing this. I, I get, I burn some calories because I start to sweat. I get really excited and it's fun. But my most, but the most powerful things that have etched things in my heart, it's either when I've invited someone in or I've been invited. Because when we invite folks in, the assumptions we may have about them, it, become, it, it comes down. I remember I was a chaplain at Washington Hospital Center, and we worked with a, a diverse body of believers, and there was a Catholic nun who was working also as a chaplain. And then uh, based upon my upbringing, when I heard Catholic nun, every, all my radars went up. I was like, oh, no, Catholic nun, be careful, right? I was like, <laughs> so I had all these assumptions. I'm thinking, I don't know what I was thinking. I was crazy. And I remember this sister invited me and my wife, Sandra, to her house, and there we had food, we had fellowship. It was amazing. All my assumptions were false. This lady, this sister, she Jesus. And it was powerful simply because two people from maybe two different perspectives got together. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 10, verse 25. Cornelius, after his vision, he sends a contingency to, to retrieve Peter, to get Peter. And look at what it says in Acts 10, verse 23. I'm sorry, Acts 10, 23. So what does Peter do? He invites them in to be his guests. So if we want to see gospel-fueled hospitality, there is a need for invitation. 
The walls are starting to come down in Peter's worldview. Again, a few years prior, Jesus gives this commission, and now, now he has three visions, and Peter's starting to get it. You see, Jews would normally not go into nor invite Gentiles into their houses. And so this offer of hospitality, this invitation may not seem like it's a big deal, but it's huge. And when we talk about uh, invitation, what it simply is, is an invitation is about sharing your life with the people God has put in your path. I think that's something each and every one of us can do. What is invitation? It is sharing your life with people God has put in your path. And friends, never think as a follower of Jesus that what you have, whether it's a lot or little, is not worth sharing. It is absolutely worth sharing. And so that's what we see in Acts chapter 10. We see gospel-fueled hospitality with an invitation. And not only is there invitation, there's also humility. So as you continue reading the narrative, uh, Peter agrees to go to Cornelius' uh, spot, and then he's there, he meets Cornelius. They're starting to talk, um, and it's kind of cool. They're, they're, they're seeing eye to eye, but then Cornelius does something interesting. Uh, Peter walks in, and then Cornelius bows before Peter. And Peter's like, nah, we got to stop that right now. I'm just like you. No need to posture yourself as a subordinate. We are equals here. Friends, that's what the gospel does. And that, that's how these walls begin to come down. If we're going to have gospel-fueled hospitality, we have to be humble. Do not think that you're better than someone else. Peter says, I'm no different. And look at what he says in verse 27. They begin talking. As he talked with him, verse 27... He went in, and that's Peter, and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. Isn't that harsh? I mean, that, that's pretty mean. And he, he has the audacity to say that to the other person. You know, it's unlawful for us to be vibing like this. I mean, that, that's the severity of this, this divide. I'm in your house. Recognize that, man, it is unlawful according to our culture to do this. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked, and, and underline this, I asked then, why have you sent me? We're talking about humility. What I love about this passage, number one, Peter's starting to get it. I believe Peter, inside his heart, he's saying to himself, enough with this insider-outsider nonsense. I'm in your home. He begins to, uh, he's beginning to understand that in Christ we are a new creation. Friends, that is a powerful truth, that the walls that separate, the walls that divide, the wedge that sin creates, in Christ Jesus, he, those walls are coming down, and Peter is beginning to understand that. One of the things I appreciate about Peter's hospitality is he doesn't assume how best he can serve Cornelius. Did you catch that in that passage? Peter asked, now again, Peter just had a vision from the Lord. He saw the sheets. He saw animals. He had an in inclination of why he's going to Cornelius. Then Cornelius' folks that come see him, they explain that Cornelius is asking for you. But look at Peter's posture when he enters the house. I ask then why you have sent me. Friends, don't assume. If we're going to be hospitable, don't assume you know what someone else, is, what someone else needs. 
ask. Sometimes our best efforts actually hinder. It's like we know better what someone else needs versus just asking, how can we best serve you? And that's what Peter does. He asks, why then have you sent me? If we're not careful, we can do more harm than help when we assume we know what someone else needs. I remember a few years back, um, we had gone on a missions trip to a country, and while there, uh, we visited a landfill, like a dump. Um, And at the dump, there were families living at the dump. And next to the dump, this uh, organization, they had um, built a feeding center. So people that live in the dump, they can come, and uh, groups would come, and we'd help feed food. You know, we'd give soup, we'd give just, it's a feeding center, right? Um, And one of the things that was fascinating, they they only did the feeding center, I believe, I can't remember now, it was either twice a week or three times a week, max. And so here we come from the United States of America. It was like, dude, you could do this like every day. What do you need? We started pulling out our wallets. Do this every day, feeding center, these people will be great. That was our assumption of what the people need. And the organization said, no, no, no. The last thing we want to do is do this every day. If we do this every day, the, the, the people living here, they won't need to do anything. They won't work. They, they just wait for us to show up. And then feed. So we said, we don't want to create that type of environment. So we feed them one day and there's a gap. And then it's on them to also now labor to try to provide for themselves. And it's like, wow, here's how our best efforts could actually get in the way of serving the very people. Had we done that, we would have destroyed what this organization was setting up. Or I remember uh, a couple years ago, we were doing a ministry in D.C., and while there we were serving a homeless community, we would, it was Saturdays, we would uh, bring food there, um, and then someone on our team uh, had a bright idea of, let, let's, I, don't, I don't even know why this came up. I, I, I wish I would have asked why. Sometimes it's good to ask why. What are, what are you thinking when you come up with such great ideas? They said, we should get eyeglasses. I think someone was squinting, couldn't reach, I can't remember what it was. And so they went on this big effort to provide eyeglasses for the homeless community there where we were serving. And so the next Saturday we were there, so the person brought their bags of eyeglasses, getting ready to hand up, and another homeless person came running and said, no. He says, if you give eyeglasses to some folks, they're going to break the lenses out, and they're going to use that for drugs. Friends, sometimes our best efforts get in the way of need. So what does Peter do? Being hospitable, but he's humble. Why then have you sent for me? If we're going to be hospitable, again, invitation and inviting, let us also be humble and ask questions. Don't assume we know what someone else needs. And not only is there humility, there is proclamation. And so you have Peter and his crew from one neighborhood, and you got Cornelius and his crew from another neighborhood, and they are camped out together. And this, again, this is shocking for the people of that day. If you turn your page and read uh, Acts chapter 11, uh, there are Jewish folks of the circumcision party. That's how they're categorized. They hear what is taking place, the spirit falling on the Gentiles, and they are shocked. And they're shocked not because the Holy Spirit fell. They're shocked because Peter ate with Gentiles. That's how serious this divide is. And so up until uh, a few days ago, these two groups weren't talking. Up until a few days ago in Acts chapter 10, they would not eat together. They didn't stay in each other's houses. And all that changes because of Jesus. That's this last point, that hospitality, not only is it invitation, not only is it humility, it's also proclamation. All that changes because what God has done in Christ Jesus at the cross. 
Look at what Peter says in verse 34. So Peter mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. Think about that. Peter has an aha moment. Peter recognizes that the prejudices he has, he's projected that onto God. So he thinks God is the same way like him. And I think we make the same mistake. If we're not careful, the same thing, the biases we have, we think God has the same bias. You talk to some believers, you think God is either Republican, Democrat, like it's just, you, you got him in a box. Peter says, I've recognized something. God has done a work in my heart where, wait a minute. God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You see, Peter didn't just understand the gospel. This is the proclamation part. He now understands the implications of the gospel. And the implication in this particular context is that God shows no partiality. What does Peter do in proclamation and showing hospitality? He points Cornelius and all those gathered to Christ and to the forgiveness that Christ offers at the cross. Peter pointed out that God had called the Israelites for the purpose of making them vehicles of the good news of peace. And that good news comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the, and, and before, before he finished, what is this, we need this to happen. Before the sermon is finished, the spirit falls, just like in Acts chapter 2 to validate that, yes, God is with the Gentiles in the same way he is with the Jews. And so I challenge us to consider what it means for the walls of separation in our society to come down through the cross of Jesus Christ. See, this chapter demonstrates the power of the gospel to break down barriers. Peter was hospitable to the Gentiles. or Cornelius was hospitable to Peter. In the first century, the gospel had tremendous power to break down the walls that men had built to separate themselves into little isolated groups. Do we have any doubt that the gospel still has that type of power? That if we embrace this idea of gospel-fueled hospitality, God might use us as a witness to the watching world as this is what it looks like to have people from diverse backgrounds, diverse thoughts, to find them unified at the cross of Jesus Christ. This is why the body of Christ is so powerful. We get to demonstrate what it looks like. And so when we're hospitable, we're making real the very thing that so many people desire. We're making it real. And so biblical hospitality. So earlier today, you, you, you thought you, you had a picture of hospitality. And so what I want to challenge you to think about is this. Biblical hospitality goes far deeper than merely entertaining our friends and our family. In the Bible, hospitality is proactively seeking to welcome the outsider or the other person. Throughout the Bible, God is the exemplar of hospitality. God provided a home for the Israelites when they were slaves in Egypt. But most of all, God the Father, he exiled Jesus so that we might be invited in to his household. You see, Christ was rejected so that we might be accepted. And so this idea of hospitality is being hospitable in the way that God has shown and extended his mercy to us. See, the the reason why we can engage, the reason why we can uh, be hospitable, invite, the reason why we can be humble, and the reason why we can proclaim the good news to those that we might be deemed outsiders is because we were once on the outside looking in. 
We were the ones estranged. We were the ones cast off from God. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus demonstrates what it means to be hospital. And as such, we can do the same thing. So ultimately, hospitality breaks down the walls of hostility, Paul would say in Ephesians. And so that's what I want to challenge us to do uh, in light of what we read in Acts 2. Let's be hospitable. Let's invite or if, if someone invites us, let's respond to that invitation. Let's be humble, and let's see how the good news is proclaimed. I'm going to pray. I want to invite our team back up as we prepare our hearts for communion. So as we pray, just consider, Lord, who, 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 who could I show hospitality to this week? Um, and again, not just friends and family. That's, that's phenomenal. We love community. But is there an opportunity uh, to extend grace to someone, um, an unlikely candidate. Um, and in so doing, may they experience, uh, expose them to the hospitality of God. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come before you this uh, afternoon, this morning, just to commit our hearts into your hands. Father, that you would search us and see if there be any wicked way in us. The great apostle Peter, having walked with you for three years, still had a work needing to be done in his hearts that would extend the gospel into uh, to the nations. And so we too have an opportunity to be proclaimers of your truth um, through hospitality, Lord, through inviting others by uh, and uh, by proclaiming good news. And so, Lord, I pray that you would put in our hearts people we can interact with this coming week in the month ahead that we might uh, be hospitable to. And so doing, invite others into the hospitality that you extend to us through Christ Jesus. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.